come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. I think that would be funny. You should well, play the uh, actual... If it isn't clipping. C3 penis face and R2 dickhead. <laughs> Good to see you, schmucks. How you been? That's right, guys. Tonight, long anticipated waiting for none other than are we ready i think we're ready boys we're ready coming to you live from the podcast from outer space it's your boy rob scott adam narlock's in the house hey guys thanks for listening and ryan scott Greetings, everybody. <laughs> and tonight, we just tipped it off. We're talking about Star Wars. We're getting into the trilogy. The Trill OG. Yes, the Trill OG. Tonight, we are talking in celebration of the release of Episode 8, The Last Jedi, coming out this week, which we've got our tickets to. Comes out December 15th. We're doing a three-part series on The Wars. And uh, so this episode, we're discussing the original trilogy consisting of episode four, episode five, and episode six. My personal favorite. Now in part two, we're going to discuss the prequel trilogy of one, two, and three. And our conclusion, we will discuss seven and eight and what we hope to see in nine. Maybe a little shout out to Rogue One, Han Solo story coming out. Yes, and oh yeah, I mean, we'll talk about all the spinoffs as well. And also, you know, this one will be a little different. We try to do things a little differently here at Podcasts from Outer Space this time. We're doing, uh, so this is a lot of facts that we pulled about, you know, just the movie in general, it becoming such a success and more of the making of the film as opposed to theories in the films. But, you know, we're probably going to get into a lot of that too. So... Original trilogy, what's your guys' favorite? Uh, the Return. There's only one Return, and it ain't of the King. It's of the Jedi. Return, all three? No, I liked... Uh, I, I See, I think we're all different on this one, because I, I like A New Hope. Yeah, everyone likes that, but Return of the Jedi is the most badass one. Return's my favorite, and it's definitely the one I've seen the most. Oh, although I thought, I thought you were an Empire guy, my fault. No, see, a few of my favorite show. scenes are in Empire, oh. but... I think all round return, you know, I watched that the most as a kid. Um, and the Luke in that, I had the Luke action figure with the black hand. Green lightsaber. Yep. 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 That was, my, black hand. that was my favorite uh, action figure. You know, I'm all about the figure game. <laughs> figures. The figures. Okay. So kick it off. Well, yeah, we'll just get into some of the uh, history here first. So Star Wars all developed from the mind of none other than George Lucas, uh, born in Modesto, California, May 14th, 1944. Tail end of uh, World War II there. You're older than my recently departed grandfather. George Lucas? Yep. And attending USC Film School in 63, this is where Lucas uh, made his first film, THX 1138, 
which uh, if you haven't seen that, it's like 20 minutes of sci-fi film. Pretty pretty interesting. I watched that. THX, isn't that also his like yeah, they, sound? Well, I'll play the clip. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... But, you know, always while while going to film school and everything, in the back of his mind, he want, he always wanted to do an epic space opera. And uh, he actually started, you know, putting words to the paper in 73. Uh, and, you know, he wanted it to be Flash Gordon, 1930s type, uh, you know, the stuff he grew up on. Ooh, great stuff, great now, stuff. Now, while attending USC film school, let's just take a look at some of the upcoming directors in the era that George Lucas was part of. So on the rise alongside with him, we have Martin Scorsese, Mm. The Departed, Mean Streets, Goodfellas, Brian De Palma, who did Carrie, Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather, and Steven Spielberg. Who's that guy? Close personal friend. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, also same year as Star Wars. Mm. And that's just to name a few. You and know. didn't most of those guys also go to the same school? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure which ones exactly. You know, that's that's failed research on my end. I'm pretty sure it was Scorsese, Coppola, and Spielberg. Okay. And uh, upon graduation, you know, Lucas, he really never thought or even had a hope of being successful. He hated um, the fact that, you know, corporations were starting to take over and, uh, you know, dip their hands into the films, this Hollywood touch, you know. And uh, he w- he always wanted to just maintain his creative control and independence from, quote unquote, Hollywood. Mm. And, uh, you know, he was kind of like a hipster, if you think about it. He yeah, had the beard, say, like, the flannel. Yeah. <laughs> the glasses, even. You take a look at classic films, like I feel like they all have that Hollywood sense to them. And he wants to go off and do his own thing. I see it. I see it. Yeah, so, you know, um, a lot of it was just Star Wars hitting the screen, uh, you know, at the right time. Uh, In both documentaries I watched on it, they talked a lot about the film industry in the early 70s and mid-70s. It was, like, super grim, just like, you know, the state of the world. And you had uh, the dying out of, like, the classic heroes in, like, the spaghetti westerns. Mm. And, um, you know, USA, we were just getting out of the Vietnam War, uh, corporations were starting to uh, buy out the film industry, you know, taking over Warner Brothers, uh, Universal. And this was, it was changing the, uh, you know, cinema vastly. And uh, I think it, he was saying like 2001 was the most successful sci fi film at the time. Uh, it was released in 68, earning about 21 mil on its original box office run. And most sci fi films at the time made under 10 mil you know it wasn't this is just like we were talking about with uh king you know newer genre at the time you know starting to experiment in sci-fi and film um it wasn't really taken seriously and uh just like you know horror and literature we talked about in the king episode he said he was like never really taken seriously but he's like one of the most successful writers of all time (laughs) and uh I think same thing with uh, sci-fi and George Lucas, you know, he helped really shape that whole genre within film. But at the time he was doing it, it was kind of laughed at. Like uh, in one of the documentaries I was watching, 
uh, Empire of Dreams. They're talking about the actors. Since it was mostly filmed in in, uh, Great Britain, all of the actors were like, what the hell is this? Like, they thought (laughs) it was uh, like a child's movie, and they just, like, it was hard for them to take it seriously. And um, so... As he was writing this, uh, both Universal and United Artists passed on the film, and uh, it would eventually be picked up by 20th Century Fox, which was only due to Alan Ladd, who was a Fox exec at the time. He believed in George Lucas and his talent as a director, not in the idea of the film itself. Now, is that due to... uh wasn't that due to American Graffiti, if I'm correct? Yeah, so he uh, he had made American Graffiti at the time, but it wasn't picked up. And it was later released by Fox, and it was like a huge success. But that was, it wasn't released till Fox till after Ladd signed him on to do Star Wars. Hmm. So they didn't okay. really know what they had on their hands. But he, like, Ladd saw the film and he liked Lucas as a director, which is why... He took a shot. So uh, now, what? Oh, 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 what? oh. what's that? <laughs> How's that? Now, did you see also in that film, I think it was? I watched a couple of documentaries, so I might get, be getting this mixed up. But I think it was Coppola was like, you're all, always doing science fiction movies. Why don't you just do oh, like yeah. a yeah, yeah, yeah. heartwarming like comedy? I bet you can't. Like, you won't. And then he's yeah, like, it was off of oh, All right. <laughs> then makes a badass movie. Yeah, I actually have that later in the breakdown, which we'll, we'll get to. Which uh, actually we'll get to now. But uh, the breakdown. So, episode four, what originally titled just Star Wars, it was retitled A New Hope, uh, released in 1977. Also a big year for punk rock. Oh, yeah. You know, it had the formation of the Misfits. Sex Pistols were really big. But that's a different story. Uh, So a big inspiration for Lucas in writing Star Wars was the works of a one Joseph Campbell. This guy was a mythologist uh, who studied the connections of myths, religions, uh, their roles in cultures. And his book, Hero with a Thousand Faces, is uh, credited by Lucas as a huge influence for writing his... uh, epic space opera and this is how he developed the classic mythical archetypes that are oh so evident in the star wars sorry. universe saga sorry my fault. whatever we want to call what it what a dick you should read um, that again because i was totally a dick and just cut you off right so i can't read uh like wh- just some of these archetypes you know we've got han he's the fucking suave rebel with yes he's a scruffy nerf herder <laughs> uh we got luke you know, he, this is the hero, the farm boy from meager beginnings. He's finding, he's looking for his place. Oh, oh, wait, I'm lost. I'm looking for my place in the world. Mm. Uh, we've got Leia, the damsel in distress, but who's also proves to be a fucking badass. She was like one of the first uh, badass like women princess roles. And we've got R2D2, C3PO, the comic relief, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, this is all. And we've got everything in here. We've got the hero's journey, uh, coming of age tale. We've got good versus evil. We've got the aspect of the force. Um, and in Lucas's writing of the script, uh, Darth Vader was actually the first character to be developed. And it took him a lot longer to write and get the ideas 
down on paper for Luke, Han, and Leia. At one point, Luke's last name was Starkiller, and he was a 60-year-old general. And Han had green skin and gills. Who does that sound like? Sounds a little to me like Greedo. Oh, and who shot first? Han shot first. So, well, oh, are we getting that down now? Ooh, ooh. Here we go. So, we'll get to the bottom of this right now. Now, what are you guys guys big proponents of? Han shooting first or Greedo shooting first? Or simultaneously? So now i got to think back to the films. I I mean, I'm pretty sure in the OG, Han shot first. I like to think that Greedo shot first. You like to think that, but... I just have this picture in my head of Han Solo being... Rebel, but a gentleman. Okay. So in the original 77 release, Han Solo, the rebellious smugger, smuggler. (laughs) Fuck you guys. (laughs) So in the original 1977 release, Han Solo, a rebellious smuggler, shoots Greedo under the table. Uh, Han was the only one to fire in the original scene. In the 97 special edition, a scene was inserted to depict the alien firing first and missing before Han responds. Like 30 right, years later? That's the idea you That's how I like to. to think of it, yeah. And in the 2004 DVD release, the scene changed again to show the two firing simultaneously. In 2012, Lucas said the original close-up filming was misleading and the intention was to make it clear that Greedo did shoot first all along. Ah, I should have bet you, Salacious Crumb, firstborn son. So he didn't shoot first if we're going oh. off the facts, but off the facts. Lucas says he likes he likes to, you know, just like he, okay, remember in, two, I think it was in the 2004 releases when he added in all the CGI and people got pissed. Ooh, I, I should have pulled some of the like death threat letters he received. We could have read those. Feel good. Just because you're George Lucas, you just get to change the whole thing up. So, um, back to... So, what are we deciding on that one? I'm right. You're wrong. We should have bet. Well, Han shot first, uh, but... Can you just say that one more time? Han shot I'm first. right. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, the concept for the Force... Uh, also ended up being one of the most important elements of the storyline as Lucas wanted a religious aspect, but not as imposing or domineering as, you know, modern organized religion. Um, This took the whole script took Lucas a little over a year to write. And he actually had 200 pages, which he shelved two-thirds of it for the eventual sequels if the film was a success. Now, while we're on that topic, most screenplays are about 90 pages, and that's for a real long movie. Yeah. So this guy's just fucking yeah. blowing out of the water. I mean, he had a lot to get off his chest. This was his <laughs> brainchild. whole opera, you know? Yeah. Mm, a space opera. Big old space opera. Yeah, so... Fox eventually approved a budget of $8 million for the film, and Lucas's compensation was $50K as a writer, $50K as a producer, and $100K as a director. Mm. Now, when he did all his negotiations with Fox, he was very clever as he wanted to maintain that creative control we talked about. He wanted to stay independent from Hollywood. Uh, he didn't ask them for more money, but managed to secure all the merchandising rights. Smart, yeah. smart. And at this time, studios, they, they didn't give a fuck about these. They they were like, yeah, this is basically leftover shit in the contract. Nobody really merchandised movies at that time. Like, 
toys, T-shirts. Like that was not a thing at the time. Rob's wearing a damn T-shirt right now. Yeah, profits. Look at that merchandise. Yeah. So give Lucas a dollar. (laughs) I Um, did. So yeah, he was. uh, He put together his own effects company to handle all of the special effects on the project. He hired mostly uh, like model makers from commercial sets. And uh, Star Wars was actually a lot of a lot of those guys. It was their first feature film they worked on, and they built every single thing from scratch. They like rented out this uh, warehouse out by um, this airport, and everything they built in there was from scratch. It was actually badass. They showed clips of uh, them building the Death Star, like to get the um, to get that scene. They just built this like giant. stage almost because so people could get under it and they would have cameras going across on cables to get those flying scenes like down in the death star and the trenches and stuff yeah and um lucas and de palma casted together as uh de palma was filming carrie at the time uh wasn't there an a reference on our halloween episode the research you found that had like someone was going to audition for a halloween too and they just said Oh, why don't you go audition for Star Wars? It was Hamill. Whose couch was he staying on? Do you remember that? Uh, I believe it was England, the guy that played A1 Freddy Krueger in Nightmare on Elm Street. He was almost, yeah, they wanted him to try out for Skywalker. I think so. And he urged him. Crazy. Said, Mark, you got this. Which he did, you know. He didn't go to Tashi Station that day. (laughs) So Lucas spent six to seven months casting for star wars must be nice and originally check this out harrison ford wasn't allowed to audition now did you know that i did not know that did you know that i did, did you not know, that? know that so he was not allowed to audition as george lucas had worked with him on american graffiti and he wanted all new faces kurt russell was actually a strong contender for oh. han mm-hmm. now let's imagine that Nah, it wouldn't have been as cool you don't think so i like kurt i see it and Carrie Fisher actually got the part with the caveat that she lose 10 pounds. I heard they actually sent her to a yeah. quote-unquote fat camp. Now, that's just Hollywood at its finest right there. Ben Stiller was her camp counselor? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so Lucas wanted an established actor for old Ben. <laughs> and he actually went with Alec Guinness. This is you know similar to what Carpenter did with Halloween and Dr. Loomis where he cast mostly unknown people, but then he wanted one strong guy to, you know, really bring it all in, really tie the film together. Like Carrie Fisher has a famous mom, just like... Oh, yeah, just like... Oh, dude, wow, we're connecting the blood. dots right here. This is Hollywood at its finest. <laughs> now, a majority of the film was shot in London as they had bigger sound stages that were necessary for the size of this production. And that's where we get the casting of David Prowse, who was actually a former champion bodybuilder who played Darth Vader in The Flash. Mm. Um, Peter Cushing, who played General Moff, the Mothman. <laughs> and, the uh, Mothman prophecies? Yeah. Uh, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, who was actually had a job as a, like a orderly in a hospital and Anthony Daniels playing C3PO and 35 Kenny Baker who 
would operate R2-D2. Anthony Daniels was at the uh, PPG Arena for the Penguins game the other night. Fun fact. Star oh. Wars night. Was he dressed nice. up? Can you just keep reading? <laughs> now, filming uh, started in 1976, great year, in North Africa. <laughs> and a lot of the sets are still out there in the desert, which is pretty badass. I know a few people who have gone out there. Sounds like a bro trip. Tatooine. Yeah. Uh, the first two weeks proved to be an total disaster as uh, Tunisia was hit with rain and then sweltering heat, which was unbearable for a lot of the actors as they were in, you know, costumes and metal uh, suits and stuff. Uh, machines malfunctioned, sets blew over. Uh, this put them way off schedule. And it was even hard for a lot of the cameramen and crew members to take the work seriously. Just like we were talking about earlier, they thought, I mean, think about it. they're at like, this movie's half special effects that come in later. So they're not seeing any of this. Like mm. uh, they were saying when they did the scenes with Darth Vader, it was uh, David Prowse talking through the mask. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, this is what we're going to have. Like, he's like all muffled, you know? And uh, so it was hard for a lot of them to take the work seriously. And um, Hamill, who was 24 at the time, and Fisher, who was 19 at the time, were like constantly like all their whole goal throughout filming was to try to get George Lucas to laugh. <laughs> like they were just fucking around like, you know, the classic pranksters and uh, the film pressed on and it was almost shut down as uh, they were two weeks overdue and it took the VFX crew an entire year of setup and building and testing everything out before they were able to produce a single usable scene. Uh, most of the final scenes were shot super quickly and they were directed in three separate units filming simultaneously. And uh, Lucas used dog fights from old war movies to serve as the basis for the TIE fighter X-Wing fights. Now, some of the sound effects in here, we got Chewie, who was a bear tiger and walrus sound bits you know clipped together rob i would love to hear your best chewy impression right now on the spot go <laughs> can't do it dude. just do it just <laughs> i'm do not it. doing it dude. now rob you had what was the tie fighter sound effects yeah the tie fighter sound effects were elephant screams mixed with a car driving on wet pavement and how it, do you think come up with that i don't know but i thought <laughs> tie fighters always just sound like a dude going to me, they sound like the old uh, Stuka bombers in World War II. Oh, man. Sounds a lot like an elephant. You spent some time in the war? <laughs> uh, so sound effects. The sound effects director actually used his own voice through a synth with beeps <laughs> for R2-D2. What? Is that funny? That's pretty damn funny. Yeah. Because uh, he said he said Lucas wanted it to be like organic. So he said R2-D2, 50% organic, 50% robot. Did you watch any of that? Uh, what is the name of that documentary? Empire of Dreams. Did you watch any of that? No one sent it to me. They got some is outtakes. Is this on Netflix? It, no. Nah. It's on YouTube. You can, yeah, there's multiple versions on YouTube. Email that to me. But there's like a bunch of outtakes of them just fucking with George Lucas. It was pretty funny. Yeah, they actually use a lot of um, behind the scenes footage, which was cool. Um, Vader's breathing is a mic inside a regulator for a scuba tank. You know, they never intended to use David Prowse's voice. Um, they eventually got James Earl. Who did it in two hours. Yeah, and he wanted to give Darth Vader a darker, deeper voice. 
And originally he wanted to use Orson Welles, but he thought it would be too recognizable, which is why he went with Earl, mm. you know. Good choice, though. Am I right, guys? And this one's hilarious. So C-3PO, they originally wanted him to have sound like a used car salesman until Daniels came up with the over-the-top British butler voice that we hear. Imagine C-3PO as a used car salesman. Hey, Luke, what are we doing over here? We're going to freaking Taji Station, I thought. <laughs> I just see that's like a family guy thing right there. <laughs> yeah. um, Tatooine, Tatooine, Tatooine. <laughs> John Williams, uh, who won an Oscar for Jaws, ended up scoring the film, which proved to be super pivotal for the final cut. Uh, the soundtrack was recorded with the London Symphony Orchestra in just 12 days. That's legendary. That is legendary. And uh, this was one of the only aspects that exceeded Lucas's expectations. Can you we know? just, I mean, maybe this is lazy research on my part. Did uh, you guys Did you guys know John Williams' son, frontman in Toto? Listeners out there, maybe you guys know a little more than us. I did not that, know that, but I do miss the rains down in Africa. <laughs> And maybe, I mean, he wrote that song while they're filming on Tatooine. Oh, yeah. I I don't know, man. He might. (laughs) So, but as I was saying, uh, the John Williams cut was the only aspect that exceeded Lucas's expectations. He was super stressed with all the pressure from Fox to get it done. They were over budget, behind schedule, almost got shut down numerous times. Um, He actually, while filming this one, he had to go to like the hospital. And they were like saying he had like high stress and um, something else. I forget the actual diagnosis. I thought you were about to say he's about to sell kidneys and stuff to make money for this movie. No, no, no. (laughs) They had plenty of money. 20th Century Fox. (laughs) So uh, you're thinking of the Empire Strikes Back. The movie was released on May 25th, 1977. And originally only 37 theaters signed on to screen it. As uh, most people thought it would be a complete flop. Um, reactions were the exact opposite and the film became an instant hit, a cult classic and a huge commercial success. Fox's stock price doubled in just two weeks. Um, the film earned over 775 million during its box office run, which is adjusted for inflation. That is 3.1 billion and uh, with a budget of 11 million. So yeah. (laughs) Huge success. Um, it, it was the most successful film to date at that point um, when it was released in 77. And it went on to get 10 Oscar nominations, winning seven of them, including Best Visual Effects, Best Sound Effects, and uh, Best Editing and Production Design. You know what got Best Picture that year? I do not. Fucking Annie Hall by Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn joke. And Close Encounters was nominated too. Speaking of. Ooh, what do we got? We know that artists are their own worst critic, and George Lucas was a betting man. So, found in my research that George Lucas, you know, he's boys with Spiel. Spielberg. Yes. Who was filming Close Encounters around the same time he's filming Star Wars. So, they. You know, took turns visiting each other's sets, and he was like blown away by the Close Encounters set. He was he was telling them that this was just going to be such a inspirational and like huge success, but Spielberg knew that Star Wars was going to be that, and so they bet each other that each would get two point five percent of whatever 
the mo- each other's movie made. So basically, either way, they're they're winning. Yeah, but guess who, how? Who loses? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out myself. It's like they both win. Well, hey, Rob, I'll bet you'll nail that really hot girl tonight. No, Adam, I think you're gonna nail that really hot girl. I like we, we win did. either way. <laughs> no, I'm saying, but I'm saying Spielberg made forty mil off of that bet. So pretty sure he came out the winner there. So it was just the bet was whoever's more successful gives them the money. And they're both losing weight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, betting men. Men of Hollywood. No, it's not whoever wins gets 2.5. He was just saying, like, I know that you're just going to be so successful. And he was like, no, it won't. I'll give you 2.5%. And it's basically like we both put up 2.5%. So how much did George Lucas get off of Close Encounters? I did not see that. Probably still a lot of money, right? Probably not 40 mil. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Not forty mil, but still. Uh, I'm saying if He's you were giving money. away forty mil, you'd be pretty, pretty upset. I think. Well, I don't think so. I think Lucas <laughs> I mean, is a pretty like nice guy, considering Which, the merchandising. Yeah, yeah. Back to those merch rights that uh, Lucas just happened to negotiate. So Kenner was the only toy company to sign on before release of the film. And when the film came out, it was such a success. Kenner was totally caught off guard. They even sold vouchers for toys to be released later that year. Like that Christmas, they didn't even have the toys ready yet. So they sold empty boxes (laughs) with just like a thing of paper that said like, you're going to get the toys when they're made. That would suck. Yeah. To get that for Christmas. (laughs) And um, it's coming in a couple months, guys. The merch rights though, that, that ended up helping Lucas to remain independent and let him fund the sequel himself uh he put up 33 mil i believe i found different numbers for this but the one i found the most was 33 mil of his own money for the sequel i just want to point out going back to the merch rights again when i was a young lad my mom worked at a toy store which one um it's not even it's not even open anymore it was called like the hobby hobby world oh not hobby lobby don't get that confused hobby world it was an independently owned toy store inside the mall up in seattle and my mom worked there. And like I would just go into the store because I was a little kid. She couldn't afford babysitting. My dad was gone. And I would just go in there and open toys up and be like, oh, it's okay. My mom works here. You can take it out of her paycheck. <laughs> Dude, I swear I had like every single Star Wars toy in the world. Do you still have them? Nope. They're probably worth a lot of money. Pr- well, they were all open and out of the box and I was playing with them. And one year... Decided to be a nice guy around Christmas time. I donated all my toys. Star Wars, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all this stuff. Big mistake. Hey, man. Hindsight. I threw away a lot of mine. Right. Well, now I don't feel as bad. We all did. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, on to the sequel. Uh, Now, you say this was your favorite? No, I said A New Hope was my favorite. I I thought you said this was your favorite. Great scenes, don't get me wrong. He literally just said that. So, episode five. Empire Strikes Back, uh, released in 1980. Um, This time, you know, Lucas, he didn't want to wind up in the hospital again. Uh, (laughs) He didn't want to be too stressed out. He hired Irvin Kirshner to direct, and he wanted this one to be bigger, badder, and more complex than episode four. And Kirshner was hired specifically to develop the characters more, you know? Because in this one, yeah, yeah, because he says that's what he saw in Kirshner's directing style. And um, this one actually had like something like 64 sets. It was like huge, way bigger than uh, four. 
And uh, filming began in Norway, which is Hoth. And just like Tunisia, proved to be troublesome as they uh, were hit with a massive blizzard, negative 20 degree weather, and 18 <laughs> plus feet of snow. And the scene where uh, where Luke is uh, goes off into the snow when he gets captured by the Yeti, that was actually shot from the hotel doorway. <laughs> like the crew, everyone was inside the hotel because they said it was like barricaded with snow and Hamill was the only guy going out in the fucking minus 20 degree weather. Now, in watching this documentary, this could be just Google it. Mm. So the Empire Strikes Back that uh, Lucas made these crew jackets for all of the crew members, these blue parkas, and they were like full suits. They got this little patch of Darth Norway Vader crew. Yeah, badass. Mm. These are like super rare among like Star Wars collectors, and uh, some of the jackets have been known to go from seven to ten grand on eBay because there's only a few of them floating around, you know. <laughs> and I thought these things smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> And so, you know, Empire Strikes Back. It's the sequel. We've got uh, some new characters in the mix. We got the introduction of Lando. How are we feeling about Lando? Badass. Billy D, son. Oh, yeah. We got Lando. We got uh, Boba Fett. Which I believe Rob Scott owes my father a tattoo drawing after over a decade. Shout out, Dad. I got your back. Now, here's my whole spiel. So... Boba Fett, he proves to be like one of the most badass mm. like characters, right? Yep. He's like barely on screen. Maybe that's that why adds, he's so badass. Yeah, dude. yeah, it just adds to the lore of Boba Mystique. Fett. They're, you know they're gonna make. He's a movie got a about cool costume. Oh, he's only yeah. there for a second. He's a bounty hunter. Now, see that is now you don't like Clone Wars, which we'll talk about this more on the prequels. That's one of the aspects I liked about that. That's true. You kind of see his backstory. Oh, I didn't say that I don't like it. I just haven't seen <laughs> it. <laughs> no, no. Okay. So, There's um, a difference. And we've also got, you know, one of the most well-received characters, I would say of any franchise, possibly of all time, Easily Yoda. Yeah. So Yoda, uh, whose likeness was actually based off of the makeup designer himself and Einstein. Mm. So the guy actually crafted the face off of himself and then he wanted to make him look intelligent. So he added in all of Einstein's wrinkles. Gray hair. That's and gonna eyes be and the right? gray hair. Yeah. And the and scenes. The love of caves. Now, he did have a love of caves. <laughs> now, scenes for Yoda proved incredibly strenuous as it took multiple people to operate the puppet and it had to be in sync. I think they say it took someone had to do the eyes. Someone else had to do the ears. And then Frank Oz was under there doing the hands and puppet himself. Yeah. And he had to like squat. The scenes in uh, Dagobah were built like three feet off the ground. So he was under there crouching in all those scenes. Yeah, you barely see his feet if you go back and watch. Makes yeah. thief terrain all the time. Makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. And uh, Hamill's acting. Uh, Lucas says that Hamill's acting is really what gave, it's what carried Yoda. It's what gave the audience a belief in Yoda. So another fact in uh, Empire, that famous Han, I love you, I know Uh scene. So apparently they filmed that a shitload of times. And then Kirshner just said like, nothing's working. He was like, just say like the first thing that comes to your mind, just whatever. And it was like totally unscripted. Harrison Ford just right off the bat. Ultimate badass. Yeah. How many times have you used that line on a girl? <laughs> oh, <man>. Twice. 
I've seen him do it. Me? Yeah. Uh, you know, classic line. <laughs> and uh, so here's here's my whole spiel, though. You got a lot um, of spiels to me. Yeah. So the scenes with Han and Leia, even in uh, when they're in Cloud City, and he remember when he sees her in the dress before they go get ambushed by mm-hmm. uh, you know betrayed by Lando. Mm-hmm. Um, they Spoilers. Had to, they had to scene they had to film that scene a shitload of times too, because they were just like the chemistry is just not right. Like you got like Harrison Ford was being too standoffish, like not, you know, he was being too much of a scruffy nerf herder. He's a repeat offender. We saw this in Blade Runner. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just does not like these chicks. Maybe he's, maybe that's part of his thing though. Cause like he's supposed to be a badass. Mm. So he's like making these chicks like hate him. That's his whole spiel. Cause that's how his character is. So empire strikes back effects were far more improved from episode four. Uh, this is why we see more space scenes, you know, this Columbo, he pretends to be stupid. Now there it is. Uh, the, <laughs> the VFX team actually used uh, in some of those asteroid scenes where the Millennium Falcons uh, going through the asteroid field. Uh, it said it was like really hard for them to make the asteroids look authentic. They actually used potatoes for some of the far off asteroids hanging down. I've heard potatoes, pieces of chewed up bubble gum. Yep. Sneakers. You know what else looks like? Cheat up bubblegum. Sneakers. Now, despite these improvements, Empire Strikes Back was still over budget by $10 million and over schedule. Uh, Lucas had to pay Fox more money so they wouldn't pull the bank loan and uh, in order to keep his independence from Hollywood, you know, mm. make the film that he wanted to make. He really fricked up on this one. Why? Why's that? Didn't he have to put up his own money at first, and then he had to put in more money? I mean, obviously it paid out in the end, but didn't you say he had to like sacrifice one of the Indiana Jones movies? Mm-mm. No, but he, like this one, he no, basically he, Rob as saying he's a betting man. Like he basically <laughs> like bet on himself. Yeah, in Hollywood, you never like fund your own movie. That's like a this huge. This guy's already put down like fifty mil at this point of his own money. No, I think it's only thirty three total. You just said ten million. Yeah, but that's with the 33 total. Okay. So, um, yeah, he like pretty much just bet on himself. Like everything he had put it up for this movie because, you know, I mean, look at the first one. Huge success. Mm. The second one, usually sequels are not a success, but Lucas, guy's a genius. Arguably, yes. Yeah, and he already had all these merch rights. Well, this is a trilogy, not just the sequel. Exactly. So... Only Lucas and Kirshner and a few of the producers knew the real storyline of Vader as Luke's father. Uh, They had a false page inserted in the original script, and they only told Mark Hamill a few minutes prior to shooting the scene. Gotta believe that kind of contributed to the whole, oh shit, like I really didn't know, you know? That's impossible! (laughs) Now, uh... Even James Earl Jones thought it was a lie when he did the voiceovers. He said, how are they going to carry this lie out, I wonder? (laughs) He said, you're dead where you're standing. (laughs) Why'd you knock on the door? I'd have got it for you. (laughs) Now, did you know Darth Vader played baseball with Babe Ruth? A high, fast one to the head. Pow! (laughs) Lights went out. So... May 21st, 1980 was the uh, premiere date, and George Lucas made his money back in three months. Uh, this film earned close to $538 million worldwide, which is $1.6 billion adjusted for inflation, 
on its initial box office run with a budget of 18 mil. Now, George Lucas, uh, you know, being the nice guy that he is, he gave out five million in bonuses to all the employees on the film. You know, this guy is just, he really just, you know, he, he wants to make what he wants to make. And if the people make it a success, he's going to pay him, you know? He's, he's like not a greedy re- guy. He's the real Rob Scott of the movie world, if you will. Well, Hansel only made 10K on the uh, original movie. So maybe he was feeling bad about that. Well, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so uh, how am I George Lucas? <laughs> yeah, how is Rob George Lucas? Remind me of that. He's never given me a nickel of that million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke. <laughs> Okay, so with the success of Empire, um, this is really what gave Lucas the ability to build the legendary Skywalker Ranch in Marin County, California, which would become home to companies such as Lucas Arts, THX, and ILM. And um, even though this film made Lucas the sole owner and one of the most successful franchises in history, the frickin' suits at Fox, they still had issues with it. So get this. Lucas, uh, he wanted to keep the, okay, iconic. In the first first film, you've got the scroll. That's what pulls everybody yep, in, yep, right? Yep. That's that's iconic Star Wars. So he wanted to, you haven't seen it, Rogue One, right? Yeah. yeah, and he wanted to keep that in there. He wanted to keep the integrity of those with no opening credits. Like it just starts off with the scroll and then all the credits are at the end. Mm. So... He kept the credits at the end, just like the first film, and was fined a quarter of a mil for this by Fox. And they even threatened to go after Kirshner and pull the film from theaters until Lucas paid the fines in full, which he did. And this led Luke, like Lucas was so pissed about this, he dropped out of the Directors Guild and the Writers Guild. And even Ladd, the guy who was the original Fox exec to take a chance on Lucas, he quit Fox due to issues after this film's release. Huh. You know, this is classic Hollywood, just mucking everything mm-hmm. up. It's all about the money. So, yeah, this like we were saying, this is what led gotcha. Lucas gotcha. to go to Paramount for his next franchise, which ended up being a little project called Indiana Jones. Big you, mistake you on that one, it. 20th century. Future episode on our part, maybe, maybe. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Kali Ma Shakti Day. So now we'll get into episode six, Return of the Jedi, 1983. So for this one, Lucas put up his own money once again to fund the film, got to meet the president again. And, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the original title was Revenge of the Jedi. Badass name. Yeah, and there's actually some posters that were released with this title, Badass. And he originally wanted Spielberg to direct this, but this proved difficult since, like we said, he had quit the Directors Guild. Is this like a fraternity? like Pretty much. Like, you know, it's like the Screen Actors Guild. Like, you have to be in the guild to get a, a job on a major picture, but to get a job on a major picture, you have to be in the guild. Like I thought you just had to egg. let the producer touch you. Well, it's similar to the lollipop Similar guild. to that. That's probably how you get in the guild. Ah. So, uh, is that too soon? Do we need to cut that out? No, no, no. That's, okay. that's, that's too good. soon. Yeah, that's the signs of the time. Whoa. Before we go on to the next thing, speaking of these suits, yeah. they're actually the ones that wanted to call it revenge. And then Lucas 
being the guy that he is, <laughs> was like, Jedis don't have revenge, so we can't call it that. And he had to go on this big old spiel about how <laughs> Jedis yeah, Jedi are like the nice revenge. guy. He also originally approached David Lynch, who declined due to directing Dune, which also <sighs> could be an episode for the future. Now, yep, yep. imagine if Lynch had directed Return of the Jedi. Have you ever seen a David Lynch movie? Mulholland Drive, Eraserhead. Dune. Dune. I mean, Dune is very tamed. Like, most of his movies are just super weird. Mm. And he, I, I just think it'd be hilarious if he actually had directed re- Return. So <laughs> Probably be more like a Family Guy episode. Is that what you're suggesting? Oh, it would be... I think it'd be crazier, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, also, David Cronenberg was asked but declined in order to direct Video Drone and The Dead Zone. Shout out to Stephen King once again. Mm-hmm. And he eventually signed on Richard Marquand to direct. However, Lucas was alongside of, uh, of him for a lot of the shooting, he said, for actually more than he thought. Um, Harrison Ford, also only actor that did not sign a contract for all of the sequels, and he wanted to be killed off early in return. However, despite a lot of people's feedback on killing off Han, uh, George Lucas didn't let it happen. And uh, here's another interesting fact. So they actually changed the name to Blue Harvest in order to secure filming locations cheaply, uh, especially in the Redwoods. Um, This is similar to like Walt Disney when he was building Disney World in Florida. Of course, if they see, you know, Disney, Star Wars, like Disney's buying this land. Oh, we're jacking up the prices or like, oh, Star Wars is filming here. Yeah, we're going to charge you way more than we would blue harvest like nobody gives a fuck you know? see i read uh while they were filming out in the deserts in arizona for this movie they changed it to blue harvest so like because i mean mad people go out there <laughs> they yeah. change it for like security people so like yeah. people wouldn't be peeping and yeah, stuff yeah same with like I, I know game of thrones had a lot of issues with like finding locations where people wouldn't be to get like mm. the spoilers and stuff so yeah um now with return of the jedi we've got the introduction of Job of the Hut, whose puppet took at least five people to operate. Looks like my grandma. Jesus. Your grandma looks like Job of the Hut. I'm going to show you a picture and you'll. This might have to be the just Google it. Or we'll just put her on <laughs> the Instagram. You got a lot of pics of your grandma on the internet? No, I'm going to have to find this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at least five people side. to operate Job of the Hut. And also the Ewoks were introduced, who were mostly played by the midgets. Or what are they little people? Didn't we have this debate? I don't think so. Politically correct. Shout out to George Lucas, you know, always giving midgets jobs. There was a lot of diversity. This was like diversity without it being forced upon us, like a certain yeah. episode that Rob happens to enjoy. You know, he actually uh had the idea of all midget cast before he started filming. Why are you laughing while you say that? Is that funny? <laughs> Some can the, you imagine if Star Wars was all midgets? That'd be cool. Like the Munchkin movie. Yeah. yeah. Think about some of the Lollipop greatest. Guild. Yeah. Some of the greatest movies in the history. I said that earlier. Midgets. That's what I'm saying. Lollipop killed. We got Return of the Jedi. Tyrion. Game of Thrones. Oh, man. Midgets are awesome. Shout See, out to all the midgets out there. I actually yeah. uh, heard Ewoks were not supposed to be in this film. They wanted to do Wookiees originally. Yeah, but then. I'm glad they saved that for revenge. Yeah. Yeah, because I actually have that in here. So Ah, damn it. You know, 
What? This guy's just got everything. He's got everything. I didn't yeah. even read this part. So Ewoks, you know, love them or hate them. They get a lot of hate. They do. Right? Do they? What do you got? Do you guys? Movie. Probably because they look identical to Ezekiel Elliott. Do you guys like Fuck. or hate them? <laughs> so, you know, Ewoks love them or hate them. Originally wanted to be Wookiees, but Wookiees, they said, were too technologically advanced. Mm. And Ewoks, they really convey the message of the whole film. And ultimately, the entire franchise. Because what do the Ewoks do? Help they def- everyone out? Yeah, they help defeat well, the they're Empire. Kind of, um, they're kind of pissed at first, but then they end up helping out. They they defeat the Empire with simple weapons. Sticks and you know, stones. Sticks and stones. Technology. And sure shit did. Yeah. And that's really the whole message is like, you don't have to have all this fancy technology to win. It's the will. Uh, you know, heart. Uh, don't tell me the odds. That's what you took away from Star Never Wars. tell me the ass. That is what George Lucas <laughs> says oh, right. is all about. It's a sci-fi futuristic movie, and he says don't rely on the technology. I mean, he's saying, like, it doesn't, like, no matter, they think the Empire, giant galactic, got a fucking moon that's blowing up planets. <laughs> However, they're defeated that's by no all moon. these little bears in the forest. <laughs> That's the whole thing. It's just all like right, they right, have right, the right. will to win. You know, good's going to conquer evil. All right. Not necessarily that technology, you know, whatever. Now, uh, here's another whole spiel I got on this one. Again with the spiels. So, George Lucas, genius that he is, bases this a lot on, like, mythology and, like, hero's journey, you know, like, Excalibur type shit. Some samurai stuff. Yeah, samurai. He, that's where he gets the swords. It's, like, super far technology advanced i mean i guess it's in the past right long time ago but in they're the super far, far away technologically advanced however they're still having sword fights mm. but they're lasers technically they're Laser. kyber crystals yeah but well, still you, you want to get in you want to get into that of a sword yeah we can get into the kyber crystals did you guys know anything about that before this podcast oh well, yes we've seen rogue one and they get into it a lot in there do they get into why the Sith have red ones? Why don't you enlighten us and our listeners? Well, the kyber crystals are actually living crystals. And when the Sith use them for evil, they start bleeding. And that's why the Sith has red lightsabers. And now, then, where now, did you find this information? Where else would I find it? BuzzFeed? <laughs> <laughs> Guess again, motherfucker. Wikipedia? Yeah. Okay. So you know it's real. Yeah. But then Luke's is green because he's so strong with the force. It really likes being used by, you know, the good side. So badass, best lightsaber. I had the lightsaber of that. It's my I favorite mean, one. Yeah, that's honestly probably. Are we one sparking of my this debate right now? Yep. Oh, all right. We'll get into that right now. <laughs> yeah. So basically, when I can't think of her name right now, was the chick Ray? from the new one? Yeah, she has that white one for a minute because she's just new to it. So it's not sure, you know. Okay. Is she bad? Is she good? Should we not even talk about that right now? Yeah, we're, we'll <laughs> talk about that on the later ones. But So if we do this debate, we can't go all three. We'll just do in the old ones. All right. There's favorite, only three lightsabers in that whole trilogy. Okay, well, what's your favorite one in the original Tell trilogy? Tell me I'm wrong. There's four. You're right. All right, what's your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> it's Darth Vader's. Darth Vader, the red? How about you? I'm going to go with Luke's. Green? The green or the blue? Yeah, the green. Yep, green return. Green one's the most now, badass. Now, all right, man. favorite lightsaber battle in the original trilogy? In the original? Empire. Yeah, in the first, and four, five, and six. Empire. Bespin, Luke? Return. Bespin. Return? What, the final? Yeah. You're lying. How are you going to say 
When I said I it's my personal that, part. It's his personal. Hey, get lying. out of his face. You're fantasy. wrong. He's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Continue to tell me what I feel. <laughs> <laughs> what did we say that one time uh, when he was running late? What? My delinquents. My delinquents. <laughs> now, dude, yeah, when I would, you find out that Vader is Luke's father, if that doesn't shatter your whole okay, my whole livelihood. spiel with that one is no. I mean, that's cool. I just like the one at the end when he like cuts off Vader's hand and he was like looking at his, and he's like, "Fuck, I'm about to turn into Darth Vader." Yeah, he likes the whole realization of uh, Vader. He throws Emperor down that pit, you know. He sees Luke getting fucking electrocuted by that asshole. No, and he's like, he likes the whole Vader's you. actually good aspect. Oh, which now, I believe. Now, I like, you believe that? No, James Earl Jones says contrary to that. You're right. Mm. Oh, did James Earl Jones write the fucking saga? He was the man. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be the man, you got to beat the man. The best Ben Luke fight, when they start off where, like, after Han was frozen in carbonite, mm-hmm. and they start off in there. Yeah. Oh, iconic. And then they're going through that hallway, and then they go down the thing, and he throws <laughs> the thing at him. When he throws the lights yeah, that's badass. So badass. And we've got, that's when he gets the reveal of his sister, right? Your sister. No, I feel like that was in Return, wasn't it? Okay, I should have done more research. I feel like like that's the first time you mentioned, well, I don't know. Because that's pretty when sure he, reaches out out. To, he reaches out to her. Yeah, but uh, is that because he's romantically interested? And oh, I don't, I don't know. That's come what, on. we might have to do recent. What? <laughs> that your was his sister, say, you sick bastard. I'm but he sure. ain't know that he, they that's kiss at the beginning. Kiss they the, kiss at the beginning of Empire, and I think at the end of Empire, a new strikes hope. back. He finds she out. She kisses him for luck. Yeah, and then she kisses him to like make Han Solo jealous in Empire. Remember? Yep, 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 yep. yep. And he's like, earlier she told me her true feeling. All right, so getting back into that, into the return. You got a spiel for us? No, I don't have a spiel. (laughs) The Redwood Forest. Ryan Spielberg over here. Were secured (laughs) for much of the filming, including the famous speeder bike scene, which was actually filmed by a steady cam operator walking on a semi-covered path at one frame per second. And when sped up to 24 frames per second, looks like he's going 100 miles an hour. Hmm. And Return premiered on May 25th, 1983, exactly six years to date from the OG, and has had the title change back two weeks prior to the premiere date. Uh, Yeah, and this was, as Rob was saying, because the Jedi does not take revenge. Bam. (laughs) Now... Uh, return took in. Do you think that they're ever seeking revenge? <laughs> God damn it! We're not. I'm cutting a fantasy football pot joke on our podcast. So that was funny, dude. That was good. His cousin will get it. <laughs> so, Return of the Jedi took in 6.2 mil in the first day, biggest in box office history at the time, and with uh, a, what beat it? Do we know that? Uh, I'll have to look it up because that was in 83. So what was coming out around then? One thing he doesn't have. Blade Runner? 82. I know. So uh, with a budget of 33 mil, <laughs> I got that Blade the Runner. conclusion of George Lucas's trilogy took an estimate of 475 to 572 million on its original run. Uh, 1.2 billion adjusted for inflation. Whoa. So let's just talk a little bit about, you know, GL's impact on sci-fi as a whole. GL. Or just the movies in general. I mean, I know we had those debates just now. Like, what was your guys' 
was a new hope the first one you guys saw of the yeah. original yeah and i think i'm pretty sure i watched we watched them all in a row one time i remember the day that dad showed me a new hope right right on vhs he had it and he showed it to me and i remember being so blown away i must have watched it a hundred times that year for halloween i wore a karate <laughs> gi and put ace bandages around my calves and was luke for halloween <laughs> luke all-time favorite character. Whoa. Yeah. All-time. In seven, when you see him turn around and he lifts and he has the robot hand, he takes it the off his hood. Hand. I cried. I cried. I cried. I'll admit it. I cried in the theater by myself. Oh, yeah, because you went by yourself, <laughs> you fucking asshole. Now, one of my all-time favorite toys, aside from the green lightsaber, was um, X-Wing Fighter. Oh, yeah, I had one of yeah, those. Yeah, you had that? You had the uh, Snow Speeder, too, right? The yeah, I had that. Uh, and Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Yeah, Ooh. Rob had that, I remember. And I remember, oh, I just ordered a Darth Vader's TIE Fighter drone. <laughs> well, Christmas <laughs> present for you Papa. Yeah, Millennium Falcon one, but it was like 300 bucks. Yeah. Um, I remember Rob had like the little micro machine set of yep. the Death Star. And then I had the Hoth one. The binoculars. Uh, no, it was like the little setup of the scene, and then I had the um, the ship, too. Oh, I got you, I got you, I got you. And Rob had the AT-AT. You guys say AT-AT or AT-AT? It's on the home around. <laughs> and when do you say which one? I don't know. Well, we were, because me and Chris were watching the documentary, and he said he had never heard anyone call it AT-AT, but that's what the guy who made the model called it. Yeah. But I always referred to it as AT-AT. I feel like they say it in Rogue One, I just can't. Yeah. I feel like it's ATA. I so, don't remember. And we've already done our favorite films, favorite lightsaber battles, favorite lightsabers. What all right, what about you guys' favorite characters in the trilogies? The original trilogy. James Earl Jones. Darth Vader. Darth Vader. I like <clears throat> I know I'm gonna catch flack for this next week when I talk about how some of the prequels were my favorites, but I like knowing the man behind the mask. I like seeing how he came. Okay, yeah, we'll be, get into that know. on the on the next episode on the prequel trilogy. So I should hold up. Yeah, Wait. that that one I think will be more controversial mm. because those films are very controversial. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna stick with my boy Harrison Ford. You're going Han Solo. I had to also had the Han blaster based off the uh, broom handle Mauser, the German weapon. Ah. A lot of references to World War Two in Star Wars too. Nazis. There's a lot going on. Galactic Empire. But there always is. I remember when they re-released the original saga, if you will. Was that like 97? Yeah. Oh, when they put the CGI in there? Like the extra 15 seconds in each yeah. movie. Like I was so hyped because my dad had showed me the originals. Yeah. And then they were coming into theaters and like. What did you think about that? At the I time? thought it was badass because I was a little kid. Because yeah. Lucas says those are like, he just didn't have the technology or the time to make that back in the day, like as we talked about, some of the filming was a disaster. And he says that's how he originally wanted the films to be seen. Mm. But people like lost their shit over that. I remember the conversation with like, I think it's in four with Han and Jabba the Hutt. When he steps on his tail and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like people like <laughs> so mad about that. I think it's great. But like, that's what he said. Like, you know, that's how Lucas that's originally how he saw it. Yeah. Like, that's the man that made this. Like you can't really get mad at the man, the right. creator. Well, haters going to hate. And you know, Lucas in general, I think, so he made so much money off of this stuff. 
that he basically, he talks about this in the documentary. He says he kind of became the very corporation that he spent his entire career trying to escape, you know? So he's Darth Vader kind of. Yeah, and he he even says that. He says he relates it back to the films too. Because think about it. This guy wanted to be independent. He just wanted to make his own stories. And here he is having Skywalker Ranch. He's got all these companies. Uh, he's becoming a huge corporation. It now sold to Disney sold out in to 2012. Disney. I mean, you can't. This is no, my, I don't blame you. Here's guy. my whole spiel with this thing. Now I'm saying... Is this the final spiel? Yeah, this is this final spiel. So you know how people are all opposed to these corporations, all these hippies, you know? Like that's, sure, a cor- sure, that's sure. corporate. Now my whole thing is, doesn't every corporation start out as a mom and pop mm-hmm, shop? Mm-hmm. If you think about it. So really, you know, mm-hmm. can't we all just get along? <laughs> I mean, maybe some of them do. I don't, well, I wouldn't say all though, but I see what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's like, isn't that your goal in starting well, a company? You yeah, want to make just, it so successful that you can sell everybody it. Oh yeah, but your shit. Yeah. as we go back though, he never really anticipated that it was going to go this far. You know, he just thought he was making some movies he thought were badass, and didn't really expect any commercial success from it. It was just what he wanted to do. He didn't think he was going to, you know, revolutionize the genre. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But so then he, he is, it was just caught off guard. You know, like $10 billion later. What else are you going to do with all that money? Yeah. All Give right. 40 away to your fucking boy, Spielberg. One more shout out to my childhood. Okay. If we have what time. We yeah. I think the first time like I was aware that I was interested in girls, five years old, vacation Bible school. There was this girl, I kid you not. Well, now why did you roll your eyes and make that noise while I'm sharing my story? There was this girl, I kid you not. Her name was Laura Vitale, Princess Leia Buns, every day, the whole week. And I knew I knew I was in love with this girl. And then this was during the summer, like right before my birthday. I invited her to my birthday party and I was like so hyped. I was like five years old, man, already scheming like how to get girls and stuff. And I was like, yes, dude, she's going to come to my birthday party. It's going to be good. Maybe get that first kiss, hold a hand, whatever you're thinking about at five years old. That girl moved. You're not invited to my birthday party. (laughs) (laughs) She moved the day of my birthday party, and I was just so sad. I, like, hid under my bed the whole time. First love, dude. (sighs) Okay. It's just Leia. You guys ready to see how big of fans we are over here? Oh, yeah. I'm going to ask you guys a few questions. Now, these are only from the original, so I'll try to pick and choose. True or false? Real garbage was used in a New Hope's trash compactor scene. I'm going to say false. I'm going to go true. Okay. Tack it down. That's one for Adam. True. The garbage used in the scene smelled so bad that Hamill burst a blood vessel in his face trying to hold his breath. Oh. The cameraman had to adjust to keep his injury out of the shot. Wow. All right. That's kind of fucked up. You guys are going to be in shooting in this trash all day, so have fun. How about this one? Peter Cushing, who played... Grand Moff Tarkin, Mothman, <laughs> and A New Hope wore slippers during many of his scenes. I'm going to say true. I know this to be true. Okay. There we go. True. Uh, the actor found his costume boots so uncomfortable, he slipped them off when his feet were not on camera. It's like if Chris was an actor. <laughs> That's what he would be doing. So how about this one? A regular cast member played more than one actor. True or false? True. A regular cast member played more than one actor? Yeah. Like they appeared as multiple Played roles. more than one character. More than one role. Yeah. Not more than one actor. True. And do we know who that was? 
Warwick. Was it Warwick? Warwick? Is it the guy that played C-3PO? So Kenny Baker, uh, who controlled R2. the shaking <sighs> and movements inside of R2-D2, also, also played an Ewok, ah, Pat Blue, in Return <gasps> of the Jedi. I was thinking little people. You can spot the Ewok stealing a speeder bike uh, to distract scout troopers from the rebel assault. That's uh, Kenny Baker in there. Uh, how about this one? Last one. True or false? Chewbacca was inspired by Bigfoot. True. True. Oh, that's actually false. Han Solo's Wookiee co-pilot was inspired by George Lucas's dog, Indiana. Ah. She went named after a dog? <laughs> now, Lucas owned false. the Alaskan Malmut. Malmute. Malmute. At the time of writing A New Hope, and the dog's constant presence led Lucas to give Solo a big furry sidekick. False. Bigfoot is based off of Chewbacca. Yeah. Do you think uh, that's where he also got the name Indiana Jones from his dog? Probably. You know, it was originally going to be called Indiana Smith. More common last name? I don't know. Wow, 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 wow. Did you guys actually know that uh, a lot of people claim to be Jedis? Like, they claim it as an actual religion, but it has not been approved as an actual religion? It's a lifestyle. (laughs) I've actually looked into this myself. Yeah. A lot of the meditating principles. So, uh... You know, obviously a lot of a lot of uh, influence from religion within the Star Wars. You know, we got the Absolutely. Force and everything. Listen, kid, I've been on one side of the galaxy to the other. Seen a lot of weird things. That's all I got. Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field that controls my destiny. It's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. You know, Lucas says that when he, he set out to uh, to make this, he was trying to do more than just make an action movie. Um, he wanted to uh, put the modern lens on, on ancient religious motifs, but he didn't want to preach. That was very important. And he says he doesn't see Star Wars as profoundly religious. Uh, he sees Star Wars as taking all the issues that religion represents and trying to distill them down into a more modern and easily accessible construct. Like that. And uh, he concludes, uh, he says he remembers uh, when he was 10 years old, he asked his mother, if there is only one God, why are there so many religions? And he says, I've been pondering that question ever since, and the conclusion I've come to is that all religions are true. Some deep stuff right there, man. Still on that for a week, listeners. So yeah, we'll get out of here on this one. Uh, like we said, next episode, we're going back episodes one, two, and three. And even longer time ago. Yeah. Going way back. <laughs> so uh, any uh, anything else before we get out of here, guys? Once again, you know, running low on these stickers, so... You guys know what to do. DM us on the Instagram, Podcast from Outer Space. If you're still using the old email, Podcast from Outer Space at gmail.com. And if you got our numbers, hit us up. We'll send some your way. That's all for uh, this week. Been uh, liking all the insightful comments, feedback we've been getting from you guys. It's always good to interact with you. Thank you again for all the fish.
Thank you, we're the Cantina Band. If you have any requests, shout them out. Play that same song. All right, same song. Here we go. (laughs) 